How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another Emerald City Hockey post-game live after that awesome, awesome 2-0 win for the Seattle Kraken, Philip Grubauer. Uh, we're going to be talking plenty about Gru tonight. Uh, incredible shutout from him. Great game for the Kraken. I mean, the Kraken really needed this one to kind of stay in things. In the Western Conference, Kings, uh, last I saw, looked like we're going to win. Predators picking up a win. Uh, so the Penguin, uh, the the Kraken really needed the two points tonight. Able to get that win over the Penguins. We'll talk all about how it went down and everything. Uh, quick programming note. Unfortunately, RJ's under the weather. He's not going to be able to join us. Wasn't able to attend the game. So I just want to let everybody know that. Um, real quick off the off the get-go here and of course thank our wonderful sponsor flatstick pub for supporting emerald city hockey and supporting these post-game lives and letting us do these uh with their incredible sponsorship and uh anybody who's at the game could head over to that south lake union location get a dollar off beer after this one just show your ticket and uh have have a good time have a good time as i'm sure we're all going to have here on post-game live kicking things off with super chats here first one from sean what a game for the German gentleman. Best game as a Kraken. Loving what we are seeing from him. Said it last time, right? I think we're going to see, you know, Grubauer for a while. Said he was really on point and sharp. You could not ask for a more sharp goaltender in this one. Hello. Uh, <laughs> could not ask for a more sharp goaltender in this one. The way he was tracking the puck, the way he was always in front of whatever play was developing for the Penguins. I mean, he was there before the puck was when they were passing for one timers or to get it to a guy net front. I mean, Philip Grubauer, really, I'm, I'm with you. Like this, this is up there as one of his best games as a crack. And if not his best game, he was just so dialed in. So on top of things, don't want to take anything away from the defense either. Um, you know, defense did a great job playing in front of him, held the Penguins to a lot of low percentage chances. This really felt like back during the Kraken's big win streak earlier this season. Remember when they had kind of changed up how they were playing? They were allowing a lot of shots on goal, but they were all low quality chances. And then they weren't taking a lot of shots on goal, the Kraken, but they were all high quality chances, the few that they were taking. And this game really felt like that. This felt like kind of a return to form for when the Kraken were playing their best hockey this season. I think that's what we got tonight. And uh, the result certainly speaks to that with the Kraken, you know, finding a way you win a low scoring game to nothing and, and get it done. So um, really good stuff from the crack. And we'll break down more of that as, as we go, but, uh, thank you for the super chat there, Sean James with the super chat. We're back finally able to watch a game again. And this was great total team effort from my perspective. It was, this was a game where like I was just starting to talk about Kraken really knew what they had to do to win this one. And that was, you know, survive the, the first 10, 15, really 20 minutes of this game when the penguins were really just all over it. I mean, they were, they were able to get in deep into the Kraken zone. They were able to complete any pass they wanted to. They were passing into like double, triple coverage and finding their man. It was it was rough at the beginning. Obviously, Edzo was not a huge fan. Kraken were able to get that that good bounce there with um, Bjorkstrand, you know, and being Johnny on the spot, get that goal in the first period, take some wind out of the Penguins' sails. Um, but yes, yeah, so the start of this game was not great, but credit to the Kraken. They made their adjustments during the intermission. They came out, they were skating faster. They looked sharper. Obviously Grubauer was phenomenal throughout. I mean, without him, this game gets off the rails within minutes. I mean, minutes into this game, it goes off the rails. If, if the, if Philip Grubauer doesn't, doesn't do what he was doing. So, um, Good, good stuff there. But yeah, I'm with you, James. This was a total team effort all the way through. Chip with the super chat. Lots to still clean up, but I'm very happy to see us return to flavor and uh, favor in uh, to Pittsburgh. Grew's back, baby. Great efforts in the second half all around. It was <laughs> like you just said. I mean, we were just talking about this. I promise I wasn't reading ahead and stealing anything. Um, it was a great effort. I mean, the Kraken found a way to come back in this one, battle back, get it all done, all that good stuff. I mean, we, I was just talking about it. Um, stuff to clean up still. Yeah, you know, you still do a little bit better on the power plays, right? One for four tonight. There's things to improve there. Um, but otherwise, I mean, this was a this was a pretty complete game for the Kraken. More complete than they've had in a while. I would say it's it's certainly been a while, even when they've you know been winning. They haven't played necessarily this well, this um, complete uh, as they did in this one. And then Seth with the super chat grew showing us why he's paid the big bucks. I mean, grew has come back. He's playing like a number one goaltender right now and the Kraken need it. Um, Joey did it for a very long time. 
did a fantastic job, kept the season alive for the Kraken, kept them in this spot where if they can go on a run, they can really make the big push here to get to the playoffs. Um, unfortunately, you know, <laughs> burnout happens when you play like 20 straight games and uh, Grubauer back fully healthy able to take over and it looks like he's ready to do basically what joey did which you know if, if he can do that i mean the kraken are really going to be in this uh until very very late into the season it's going to be very interesting i'm just pulling up the kind of updated standings yeah unfortunate for the wins for both la and nashville kraken still seven points back of the wild card spots there, but they're now tied with Calgary and St. Louis and they're one point ahead of Minnesota with a game in hand on Minnesota too. So it's still positive, you know, progress for the Kraken. That's all still good, but uh, going to need to string a couple of these together. Unfortunately, uh, absurdly said, I think my girl needs a victory treat. Absolutely. Afro, where'd you go? Come on. Where'd you say I'd get to you? Come back up here. Uh, get, get Afra her well-deserved treats. Yes. Good, good co-pilot today while RJ's out. Yes, yes. Oh, there you go. Can you eat on camera? There we go. Kind of, kind of close. Uh, Milo with the super chat. Absolute groovy masterclass. That's my goalie. Love the love the dollar amount there for the super chat, Milo. By the way, with the with the thirty one for Grubauer. He was he was phenomenal. I mean, this is we talk about it a lot with Philip Grubauer, right? He's a far more technical goalie than certainly Chris Drieger or Joey Decord was uh, or are. Um, this was a game where he really showed that off. I talked about it earlier, kind of his anticipation and following the puck movement that the Penguins have and what it is they want to be doing, where they're looking to go. There was a lot of times where Grubauer knew exactly where the open Penguin was and he knew the Penguins were going to find him. And so he was able to kind of cheat over and make sure he could get there before the puck was. And he could be square to a shot. We've talked a lot in the past about how much Philip Grubauer's goaltending style relies upon how square to the puck he can be, how, how in front of it he can be, and, and just the strength of his positioning and how much of his goaltending depends on him having that positioning. And when he's dialed in like tonight, where he can anticipate those movements, he can anticipate what the other team wants to do, where he can see where his defense might be a little soft, and so he knows he should anticipate to go over there. You see just how effective that positioning can be, how effective his goaltending style can be, because, I mean, just nothing gets by him if he's in front of it, and he just made sure tonight that he was always in front of it. Uh, so great, great work from him. I would, I would show this game to young goaltenders for sure. When it, when it comes to puck tracking, player tracking out of the, your peripheral vision, knowing where everybody is on the ice, that kind of awareness. If you're a positional goaltender is super important. And this, this was, as you said, Milo, a masterclass from Philip Grubauer tonight. Schultz with the super chat. How many times has a goaltender been either first star or at least in the stars after first season? What more could you want? Big game coming against Edmonton. Oh, it's going to be a tough one. Obviously, you know, we, we know our struggles against the Oilers. We know our struggles in matinee games and Saturday. It's a, it's a one o'clock start, I believe. Um, it's going to be interesting, but let's not focus on that yet. We still got this game to talk about. And yes, I mean, Philip Grubauer absolutely deserves, uh, let's see, where is he? First star, of course, absolutely well-deserved from Philip Grubauer. It's been a lot of games. It has been a lot of games, Schultz. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think, but it feels like just about every crack and win this year, one of their goaltenders has been in that star conversation because they've needed to be, right? This isn't a team that's going to go out there and score a ton of goals, you know, blow out a team seven to one or something like that, or, or you know, six three, right? We haven't really had games like that this year. So a lot of the a lot of the efforts that the Kraken have been able to win have been on the backs of their goaltenders. And I think that's just the way they need to play. I think again, this was the team recognizing that that's the, the way they need to play. And that's how they kind of loaded up and win at and approached this game. And we saw the effectiveness of that, right? We they they pick up a two-nothing victory. That's that's a team that, you know knows how they have to win and they they managed to do it and you look at both goals too right we've spent a lot of time talking about defense talking about philip grubauer look at both goals the kraken scored tonight where was it dirty areas in and around the crease they were making sure they were there for rebounds for loose pucks all of that kind of stuff i mean that is where the kraken knew they were going to get goals tonight and get behind that penguins defense and that's what they did and so i love this style of game and the game plan from the kraken good stuff from dave haxtall and his 500th game coached at the nhl level i think this is really the recipe to success for the kraken kind of down the stretch as long as they're getting goaltending from either grubauer or decord 
that can support playing this way. I think this is the way that they need to play. Light with the super chat. Sneaky good game for Maddie tonight. He was the better franchise quarterstone center tonight, in my opinion. Another amazing third period tonight, too. Um, Maddie did have a phenomenal game. What I liked about Maddie's game in this one was if you watched him in the defensive zone, one, his his line did pretty well offensively. They were they were pushing a lot of possession, and that was good to see. But defensively, Hackstall wasn't afraid to deploy him against Sidney Crosby. And one of the things that we haven't seen a lot of from Maddie um, defensively, one of the th few things that he has to work on and develop as he's in the NHL is kind of shadowing a star player on the other team and just trying to shut them down and, and take them out of play. And we kind of saw that from Maddie tonight. It was clear that his assignment was Sidney Crosby. And he, I thought he did a pretty good job of hanging with Sidney Crosby. I mean, it's, it's, about as tough a ask as you could ever, you know, assign to somebody, right, is to go and, and shut down Sidney Crosby. Um, but obviously, I mean, Maddie, Maddie was up to it and, and he gave a really good effort. I, I would love to know or to be there and be able to ask Sidney Crosby about that um, just because I, I, I have to imagine there'd be a healthy about, amount of respect for Maddie and what Maddie was able to do against Crosby tonight. But um, I thought that was really interesting because I'd actually had that conversation with RJ, um, not part of anything. We were just talking the other day and I talked about that was kind of like the next step for Maddie defensively. And then here it was tonight, him kind of starting to do that and shadow a, an opposing team star and try to take them out of things. And, you know, he did a good job. I I, I don't know that I would say Maddie played a better complete game and everything uh, over Crosby. I mean, Crosby, certainly he can bring the offense. You look at him diving to keep pucks in on a power play. You look at late in the game him going down to keep the puck in the zone when the penguins have their goalie pulled i mean he is just all over the place the plays he makes the passes he can pull off you know diagonally across the zone or just you know there's a reason he is <laughs> who he is um but maddie i mean this was a big step in his development to be able to go up against him and and not look silly and not get tossed around and not lose his man and to actually effectively make a difference against a guy like Sidney crosby it's huge, huge for Maddie, and I hope he's. I hope he is so proud of the effort he put in tonight. Seth with the super chat. We should lose to the Wild more often. We tend to go streaking after we do. Apparently so. I mean, let's hope then that uh, at the end of the season, last game of the season, when we play the Wild, uh, we're in a position where we can afford to lose that game, still make the playoffs, and then go on a big win streak for the playoffs. I think that sounds pretty good, right? I I think that's good. Uh, James with the super chat. What's up with Berkey just when he's kicking ass? I know. I mean, it's it's just so unfortunate. Both years with Andre Burakovsky just been hurt. Hurt again. Day to day is the word. I don't know that we got any other level of, um, you know, uh, whatchamacallit, diagnosis or, or area, upper, lower body, whatever. Um, but we know that Hackstall listed him as day to day. And uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. RJ put out on Twitter earlier the stat. Uh, he has missed 78 games since signing with the Kraken and he has played in 76. It's really, really tough. Really, really tough. Just so much bad luck for him. I feel so, feel so bad for him. Feel so bad for him. And then, of course, Gregory here with the super chat with the lemon lime Gatorade time, baby, with the huge groo. And anytime Pittsburgh loses, an angel gets its wings. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, uh, you know, tell me you're uh, a Caps fan before the Kraken without telling me you're a Caps fan there, Gregory. I know. We've talked. Um, but, yes, this this is going to be uh, – oh, man. I'm going to need this tonight doing the whole thing solo. Mm. We'll be coming back to that. And then I will be downing that the moment uh, the stream is over. Let me tell you, Gregory. So appreciate that. And then from Chip, can we talk about the amount of Kraken hand-eye coordination tonight? Both Bjorky and Winnie's goals and big rig soccer kicking the puck to clear. Yes, we can. So I mentioned it earlier, right? Both goals happen in and around the crease for the for the Kraken. Love to see that. It's not something we're used to seeing from them. They went to the dirty areas. They're trying to manufacture those goals, be aggressive on those rebounds, shoot for rebounds, try to make plays in and around the crease, get behind the defense. Penguins defense was letting them too. I mean, there was a lot of times where the two closest players to Tristan Jari were both Kraken players, which is not something you ever want to do if you're, you know, I'm sure defensive coaches everywhere watching this and just freaking out. Um, but the Kraken did a good job of identifying that they could do that to this Penguins blue line. And then they actually executed on it. 
What I love about the Wenberg one, because there was the element of, of course, Puck comes out to him, he kicks it up to a stick, and then in it goes. He actually did that on the previous sequence, too. When Tristan Jari covers up the puck, and then they go to the faceoff that ultimately then leads on the next shift to Wenberg scoring. Wenberg did that, too, on, like, on the ground. He was getting up. He had been pushed down to the ground, Wenberg. He's popping back up, and as he's coming back up, he's swatting at the puck. It goes past him. As he's getting up, he's just lifted his knee up off the ice, and with his free leg, he does the same thing, and he kicks the puck up to his stick, takes that big shot. Jari was able to cover that one, but I just thought it was very fascinating. We got to see him kind of do the, the skate to stick two times in this in you know a matter of, of a, under a minute probably on the game clock i mean just great great work from alexander wenberg not something we see from him all too often but i do think that in this game they were able to open him up a little bit because of that coverage assignment given to maddie Beneers to go up against crosby kind of opened up wenberg a little bit and um I thought that was good to see. I also thought it was interesting that they kept Bjorkstrand on that second line with Alexander Wenberg, just to talk about that for a second too, right? We know Berkey was out. I could see a coach having the temptation, put Bjorkstrand back down on the Yanni Gord line with Ellie Tolvanen, but Hextall stuck with what he was kind of going with. We knew, you know, part of the reason they had done that shakeup was to try to get Yanni Gord and Ellie Tolvanen going a little bit just because they had slowed down that line with Bjorkstrand had kind of slowed down for a while there. Uh, so they moved Cartier up to that line uh, to fill in the gap for, for Berkey, keep Bjorkstrand on the second line. And I thought that that was really good. It, it helped even out a lot of the scoring because we know going into this game that Maddie line was pulling a lot of weight. Not so much Maddie, but certainly Everly and McCann were pulling a lot of weight in the score goal scoring department. And I thought in this one, it really did show and it made a difference having Bjorkstrand out there with Alexander Wenberg and Jaden Schwartz. I thought that helped a lot. And I also thought that the Yanni Gord line with Ty Cartier, is it just me or did they kind of have an extra step to him, especially Yanni Gord? I think Yanni Gord kind of liked playing with the Ty Cartier, very, very physical, fast, north-south player similar to himself. Uh, but on the wing, I, I thought there was kind of like an extra pep to his step with Yanni Gord there. I, th I think he liked it. I, I really do. Um, so I think we might see some good stuff out of that line if Ty Cartier does, in fact, uh, hang around for a little while, depending on the Berkey situation. So I, I thought that was that was an interesting thing. Just just a little note there from me. All right. Thank you all so much for the Super Chats. 12 Super Chats to kick things off. Absolutely incredible. Really, really appreciate it, everybody. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then over into the comment section where I have about like 4,000 comments to get through here. Nothing too big or anything. Uh, about about a, the first hundred, it looks like, are all talking about Gru as they should be. I mean, just incredible stuff. Oh, I guess Maddie, and I didn't I didn't mention this when we talked about the, the stuff. The Alexia kick at the end was Yes, great clear from Alexiak with the soccer style kick. Go, uh, I, the soccer soccer style or more hacky sack? What are we thinking with that? Because I, I don't know. There was an element of maybe did he use his heel a little bit? I'd have to see a replay. I didn't really get to see a replay. Uh, was that a little bit more of a hacky sack motion? I don't know. Um, whatever it was, it was fantastic. And you know, again, they don't, you could use whatever to clear it. Like that's totally legal. The, the only thing you can't do with the kicking motion is score a goal, but you can clear the zone with it for sure so good on good on jamie alexiak for doing that uh, another super chat here from gary with the big groo philip winter classic jersey was the right call for tonight's choice oh absolutely gary bring on the leafs cup final we are ready they're ready yes oh my gosh no if the if the kraken are able to keep playing like this they they have a really good shot of getting up there being in contention for that wild card spot and then certainly this is playoff style hockey to a t i mean this is how you win in the postseason no doubts about that at all just none i mean this is it so good stuff from them all the way around um tammy where are the grew haters now congrats coach for game 500 absolutely really really happy and a huge huge milestone for coach dave hackstall 500 games as an nhl coach is a big one i mean that that's a long time to get there and uh he definitely deserves it um happy that he's you know been able to to hang around and have the career that he's had at the nhl level there Elizabeth, I almost jinxed it by mentioning shutout with 17 seconds to go, but phew, Groovy came through like he did all game. Yeah, <laughs> this one, the writing was on the wall 
for a while. I feel like that was that was my reaction to watching it. I mean, Grubauer was just so dialed in. The Penguins really threw everything they had at him in the first period. And then after that, you know, yeah, they, they're they're a good team. They're desperate there towards the end. You always got to worry about things. But uh, the Kraken had really picked up their play in front of Grubauer, too, on top of just his phenomenal performance. Um, love that stuff. The first of few, maybe only Kraken shutouts on a leap year day. Certainly doesn't happen very often that you get to play on the leap year day for obvious reasons. Um, but yes, I mean, I wouldn't mind that being a new tradition. I guess we'll have to find out in four years if it can continue, if the league puts us and gives us another uh, leap year game but it was kind of fun to think about like this I mean obviously the team hasn't existed since the last leap year like this is the first leap year that the team has been around for right like I'm not I'm not wrong in that and um, and then I was trying to think wait a second did were they even named the Kraken the last time there was a leap year because that would have been I mean that would have been a while ago right like I don't know that the Kraken even existed, much less we're playing games. So I thought that was fun about this whole thing was just, you know, being able to, to talk about that and, and say that kind of stuff. They might have been named. I don't I don't remember the exact timeline with the with the leap year, but fun stuff all the way around. Uh, Grubauer, you absolute legend, kept them in it early until they finally woke up and then just lights out the rest of the way. Absolutely. I mean, ugh, the amount of things we could say about Philip Grubauer is just endless in this one and truly truly endless i wish i knew more about goaltending i could really break down some of the more technical aspects like i said i just the way he was tracking and he just knew where all 10 players on the ice were at any given time uh in front of him i mean it was just truly truly cool to see like you just don't see that very often from goaltenders and when you do you see performances like this and it's just incredible um let's see i uh, just so so much about the german gentleman uh here from from everybody the 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 good stuff um about afra maddie my girlfriend would like to know what breed afra is afra is a jindo it's a korean breed uh you could look it up she's a rescue from um south korea she was a meat market dog before they outlawed it so fun story there with with afra oh, fun hmm. <laughs> um good stuff there uh love rj coming in with the big guru in chat love to see that for sure um can't wait to have him back uh tammy any thoughts on why they switched tanov and cards partway through the game um i you know maybe just for some energy stuff like that i mean i Yuck. They they needed to get going a little bit more. I think the coaching staff knew that after that first period, the team needed to wake up some. I like that's just you know one of the things that was pretty pretty evident about everything. And uh, you, certainly, if you're watching the root broadcast, Edzo was just not letting that one go. So I think you could see something like that happen. Um, I don't know. It, it seemed like they switched it up, but not like all the time either. Like, so I, I was kind of confused by that, like how much of it was a true switch up and how much of it wasn't. Um, but I, I just think it was one of those, you're just looking for something. They knew that first goal was, you know, more luck than, than anything. Like they hadn't really started outworking the Penguins yet when they scored that Oliver Bjorkstrand goal. So I think it was just the kind of normal line blender stuff that you'll see coaches kind of go with and, and go to. Um, Jessica reminding everybody to like the stream. Thank you, Jessica there. Um, let's see. Groovy shutouts. I mean, so, so many group messages. I, I love that. I love that. Edward, wait, we have a game in hand on somebody. Seems like we were on the reverse side of that for the longest time. Yeah. But the, you know what? The, the Kraken have been doing a good job. They've, they've been getting some rest here. The schedule finally eased, eased up on them a little bit, Edward. And, you know, we're getting these, you know, extended breaks between games. So I really like that kind of stuff. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see, Steven. Hey, Dylan, what was the worst good game the Kraken have played this year or the best bad game? Gru is saving our hides yet again. What an interesting question, Steven. I don't know that I could, I could totally answer that off the fly because that's a, that's a fun one to think about. Um, kind of like worst. Yeah. Like that's a really interesting question. Uh, that's just something you're used to used to pondering. I'm trying to think. There's been some ugly wins. Uh, mm, 
I, I don't know. I'm I'm struggling offhand. I'm kind of trick trying to quickly pull up the schedule here. I mean, there's there's been some good games from them. I would argue some of the like like the 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 Islanders game from last week wasn't the greatest. I know they got the win in the shootout and everything, but like it wasn't the greatest. Um, there's there's games like that. Uh, I thought that their their game against uh, I don't know. I don't know. That might be a better deep dive question, Stephen. I'm going to, I'm going to, RJ, you're watching, take note of that. And let's talk about that on the next deep dive. I think when we have some time to, to look at the schedule and everything a little bit more. Tammy with the Steve Breer forever. Absolutely. I mean, the work he's done with Philip Grubauer as goaltending coach has been incredible. Um, Borgen to Bjorkstrand is my new favorite goal. What I love about it, Brooke, is uh, you go and you look at it on the NHL website and uh, under the scoring section. And what's so interesting about this is, you know how they officially marked that goal for Oliver Bjorkstrand? It's a bat. That's the the shot type. You know, they, like Wenberg, it's a wrister. They'll have slap shot stuff like that. But uh, it's it's just bat. Just a bat. <laughs> Obviously, you batted it in, but I, I just love seeing that. It's not one you get to see too often. Like with the Super Chat, I will say, I don't think Gru really saved us from ourselves tonight. He was good, but those shots he were facing were not good ones for the most part. I would say there was probably three to four really dangerous opportunities that Grubauer had to be on them on the ball for um but the rest of it I mean so much of it was the was the Kraken defense doing a good job of of keeping the Penguins to the outside low quality chances stuff like that like I said this is what they were doing back when they won all those games when they were on the nine game win streak this was the style that they were playing yes we're seeding a lot more shots on goal we're not getting as many shots on goal that's fine because we're going to beat them with quality over quantity and that's really what the kraken did i mean if you went to uh and you looked at money puck kind of during the second period the kraken actually had a higher expected goal total than the penguins and they were being outshot like 20 to 8 or something and and it was just because the kraken were really making sure that their shots were going to really be dangerous shots they wanted their shots to count when they took those shots. And with the Penguins, they were just willing to let them shoot from the perimeter, shoot from the outside, shoot right, you know, when Grubauer is totally squared up to the shot and you know he's going to make the save. Um, and again, I'm in favor of this. I think this works with this team. This works with their defense. It means their defense can focus on the things that they generally do better with you don't run into as many focus issues with this because you're just keeping teams to general areas of the ice you don't have to worry about so many other things the way that they were kind of running into issues before with passing lanes and keeping heads on swivel and all that kind of stuff this one it's very much keep the game in front of you just kind of keep them to the outside as a general practice and it's not as you know much you're not putting as much pressure on them to make big individual plays from time to time so i think that works for the the kraken on the defensive side of things and i think it does work better for their goaltenders certainly a goaltender like philip grubauer who we know from experience with him he likes the kind of consistent shot you know volume it keeps him in the games it's what helps him keep you know zoned in and all of that kind of stuff and again if he's a goaltender which we know he is where he wants to be square to the puck his his goaltending style is going to be positionally sound and he's going to be successful because of that him being able to face a bunch of low percentage chances where he has clear sight lines to them is perfect for that. I mean, he's going to, he's going to have this level of performance every time. If you give him those opportunities, that was so, what was so frustrating for so long was that the Kraken could play that way, whether it was last year, this year, even year one for every goaltender, but Philip Grubauer, even though it's the, it's the style that best fits Philip Grubauer when he is in net for them. And so to kind of finally see that in this game, I thought was, was just truly fantastic. And obviously he gets the shutout and he makes it look easy and he's making all these good saves and he just looks so dialed in, so focused. He was getting that steady stream of shots. He was able to see them track him into his chest each and every time you could see not only was his positioning good, he was able to make those saves. He never gave up rebounds. Point to one rebound Philip Grubauer gave up tonight. You can't because he didn't, right? Like he just was not giving up rebounds because he was able to position himself, see the puck in, control, use his body control to make sure he wasn't giving up a rebound. Even the shots like in his chest, his pads, no rebounds because he was able to be just so square and positionally sound for them that he could handle them. And I thought that was that was the thing that that is the biggest takeaway for me is that the Kraken kind of finally played that way in front of him. 
and we saw how well it works. And I, I love to see that. And then, you know, offensively, like I said, Kraken, make those shots count, get in and around the net. They weren't taking any shots from mid range. If you pull up the shot chart from this one, I mean, there's the normal like periphery shots that all teams have shots from the point, all that kind of stuff. But then everything else was down low for the Kraken. There's just this whole gap in the middle of the zone where they just didn't take shots this game. And I think that again is the kind of the way that they played during that nine game win streak. And I think it's the kind of way that the Kraken need to play moving forward because it's just the way this team is built. They have so many guys who couldn't crash the net. They have size. They've got the skill. They've got the hand-eye coordination. That is the way to get through. And um, I, I just think that's the way this team needs to play. I'm um, going to jump down in chat just because, I mean, there's, there's so many, so many things uh, in here. Uh, RJ Kraken were named July 23rd, 2020, a leap year, but after February 29th. So yes, that's what I thought. They were not in existence, not named, none of that stuff. Last time there was a leap year. So good stuff. We now know they're, they're good on, uh, on here. Um, all right, let's see. Bowie's hat trick tweet to the Bruins was savage. Oh, I'm gonna have to look that up, Tammy. I'm gonna have to look that up. Um, Megan, ugly win is still a win and I'll take them however I can get them. I... I mean, I'm, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to disagree. I don't think this was an ugly win. I think this is the kind of game the Kraken need. I think it's it's just a good, it was a really good, solid um, effort from them. Like, they just they just did it. They just did it. Uh, Sergio, Penguins coach made a huge mistake trying to crush the Kraken in the first. He definitely underestimated us. Thank you for this mistake. I mean, look, they are they're in a similar situation to the Kraken, right, in the Eastern Conference. They need points right now. They're in a dogfight for a wild card spot in their own conference. They're on the, the far side looking in, similar to the Kraken. They needed points. And so I think what we saw from the Penguins in the first was they really wanted to jump on this team, try to score first. We all know across the NHL, the record for the team that's able to score first is just you know infinitely better than if you're scored on first. And so I think the Penguins really, you know, that was just them being prepared for a game and going out there and trying to trying to win, trying to assert themselves early and try to get that first goal. And <laughs> without Philip Grubauer kind of making a couple of key saves, because I'd argue two of his four big saves were in that first period. Things could have gotten so bad. Things could have gotten so bad for the Kraken in this one, because the Penguins, you know, if they're able to capitalize on one of those chances, if they're rewarded for the effort that they had through that first period, they would keep it. And I don't know that the Kraken would have been able to kind of slowly build up to what they eventually became either if they were playing down in this game and they had to catch up or something like that. Right. Um, there's so much about this game would have changed, but I think this was really just the penguins being like, look, we need to win a game. And uh, statistically speaking, the best way to win a game is to go out there and score first. And so they were trying to go out there and score first. Uh, they just, you know, didn't, didn't expect to run into Philip Grubauer tonight. And aren't we lucky about that? Uh, Rebecca, now's a good time to check the standings. Kraken are finally even in points and games played with the Blues and Flames just outside of the wild card. Just don't look too closely at the gap, tiebreakers, etc. Today is a standings dance party. Agreed. We will ignore those other things, Rebecca. It is just great that they're in there with everybody else. Uh, now we just need the Kings and or Predators to, to kind of start losing. That would be nice. Would be nice. Uh, <laughs> Chip, oh wow, Wenberg is the first to total 100 points in franchise history tonight. That would be, yeah, I don't think so. I think, I thought they said he was fifth. Yeah, that would make more sense. I don't, I didn't think Wenberg would be the first there. And also it I could have sworn other people had, had kind of gotten there first. Um, that is, that is good to, good to know though. Uh, Larson had a great game from Maddie. He did like, again, this, this style for the, for the Kraken where it's okay. Keep, keep teams to the outside. Just don't let them in. Don't let them screen the goaltender. Let the goaltender be able to move in his crease, right, so that he can you know, go laterally and stay in front of the puck at all times. All of that kind of stuff is just a lot more manageable for the defense, and particularly for this defense, given their struggles. I know I just talked about this. I'm just kind of saying it in a different way. Um, and that's, that's where I think Larson obviously shines, right, when you can kind of play more of a zone defense instead of a man-to-man -man situation. I just think it's a lot easier on all defensemen, but I think that it really does suit his play style. I think it suits Jamie Alexiak's play style a lot more than a, man, a strict man-to-man -man kind of thing. I think even Vince Dunn is it does a pretty good job with it. 
he kind of likes the man-to-man aspect of it. You can kind of see that and notice that uh, the way he engages with players, net front and stuff. He likes that physical element to kind of get himself in the game. Will Borgen does too. Um, but I, I do think for Adam Larson, Jamie Alexiak, this kind of game is just tailor-made for them. And so I would love to see the Kraken kind of continue it, especially if they're going to really kind of ride Philip Grubauer here for the next little bit because he's the hot goaltender, because it did look like Joey kind of needed a rest. I think it just fits with Grubauer as well. So I, I really want to see the Kraken continue this for the for the little for a little while. Uh, Stratic had a bad feeling going into this game, but that just means I have a better feeling coming out of it. Let's certainly look at all the right side of things there. Uh, I know what you mean, though, Stratic. I mean, this is the time of year where every game really matters and means a lot. And, uh, you know, there's been lots of games this season where we've kind of walked into them going like, wow, the Kraken really need to show up tonight. And then they haven't right this season has happened um and so i i can understand where you're coming from there striatic for sure i i had actually thought yeah that, that this game could be one that they would drop just because it makes sense right they would they would it would come up big for the boston game because it's boston and then you know this is what they've done they've, they've won a big game and then somehow lost a game that they probably should have won that's what the way they've been playing uh but not tonight they they change things up and and aren't we all the better for it <laughs> certainly for the post game it is um sergio when he for some reason is underestimated we'll likely lose him at the end of the season it'll be hard to find his replacement uh, Shane is so below compared to him at this point. Yeah, I mean, certainly Wenberg, I do think, is somebody who isn't appreciated for all of the things that he can bring. Uh, we know about his passing, kind of how he can play. We saw his hand-eye coordination tonight for sure. Um, but I, I do think his his ability defensively to shut down other teams' players and and to help drive possession and and be a, a solid analytics player and do all of the do whatever's asked of him is the bottom line It's just he's a, he's a totally coachable guy that you know an NHL coach any NHL coach would love to have on their team because they can just go have him you know say to him and have him go out there and do whatever it is they they need him to do on that particular night against that particular team and we see this from him and his line right there are games where they are very low volume low low events hockey from them because they're just trying to keep the other team at bay the other team's top line at bay and and then not much happens with them and then there's other nights where that's a different line's job and then it's hey go out there and, and try to generate some offense for us and they're able to go out there and generate offense so i'm with you sergio when is a huge huge player i think he's a really good player i do think yes we're gonna lose him and there will be growing pains when shane comes in to take over for Alexander Wenberg. No doubt about that. There always is when a young player comes in. Um, but I do think in the long run, it'll be for the better for the Kraken. Shane has just a lot more offensive upside personally than Wenberg has while still maintaining some defensive responsibility. I mean, he's still a really good defender in his own right. Uh, so I just think the potential ceiling there for Shane Wright is higher, but I'm, I'm with you next year. It will be tough. There's going to be times where Shane Wright will make rookie mistakes as everybody does. Um, and it'll be, it'll be, you know, what it is. But uh, in the long run, I think it's going to be good. Uh, let's see. A box. So who goes against the Oilers? Gru is doing amazing, but I don't really like him against the Oilers. It's going to be tough. That's a tough call. I get what you're saying. Oilers can move the puck in lots of interesting ways. They also, if you look back at, at traditionally how the Oilers beat us, right? We, we, we think about the goals scored against us against the Oilers. Kraken do a pretty good job of shutting down McDavid and Dreisaitl and a lot of their like skilled shenanigans and whatnot. The, the places where we run in issues with the Zach Hyman's of the world, right? Where they are very much driving the net. They're playing net side, right? A lot of uh, Vander Kane, a lot of his goals against the Kraken have, have come from that kind of net side standpoint. And that's what the Kraken defense really struggles with, right? Like we talked about that. That's why this game worked because they, they didn't allow anybody on the Penguins to get in there and around Grubauer because that's the kind of stuff that can throw off a positional goaltender like Philip Grubauer. If he's got somebody in his crease or somebody in his face, he needs to be able to see and track the puck as it's moving around the zone so that he can always stay square to it, right? Um, or at least square enough that he can then control rebounds. The last thing you want is him to, you know, be there and, and track it last second. He's able to make the save, but now there's a rebound and Zach Hyman's right there for it, which we've seen many times over. 
Um, so I'm kind of there with you, Habak. I, I know the idea of like Grubauer, it doesn't totally line up with how the Oilers tend to beat us. I just think Grubauer is playing so well right now. And Joey isn't that I think I would go with, with Gru for this one. I, I just think that you kind of have to. Um, Maddie, I love how mad Enzo was at the Penguins' chances in this game. They were crazy, surprised they didn't get a call. The changes, the line changes. Yeah, I mean, there's there's elements of it. Like, I I would love to, to see video if the Kraken were getting away with the same thing, right? Like, sometimes I think Eddie will point out things on other teams, but I see the Kraken get away with the same, like, kind of non-call. Um, I think there are just different refing crews and officiating crews, and some crews are more lenient about uh, how much space they give you if, you know, your team doesn't have the puck, if play is kind of bogged down in a corner, like the one video that they showed us where it's, you know, yeah, is it is it a is it a penalty? Technically, maybe, yes. Do they have possession of the puck? All that kind of stuff. Um some crews are just more lenient about it than other ones. And I think tonight was just a more lenient crew is the bottom line. And I thought otherwise the, the, they called a pretty, pretty good game. You look, you know, penalties pretty even for everybody. We actually benefited more from penalty calls throughout the course of the game. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I know that's, that's kind of the way Edzo has always been. You go back and look at his work with Chicago. He's he very much, you know, likes to point that stuff out when the visiting team comes to town i will say <laughs> uh b shane is going to be great but when he brings something different to the table that'll be hard to replace like yeah the point totals are lower but his skill and smarts are just so good for the team they are they are it's he's, he's a fantastic player and that's why um i think there's a lot of teams around this league that would love to have him as part of a playoff push if you know or, or a playoff run that they're trying to make um, if the Kraken do decide to go in that direction, of course, they're, they're lying. They're, they're not lying. They're, uh, they're winning a bunch here. And, um, you know, that's, that's pretty good. It's going to make it hard to trade him. Uh, if the Kraken can kind of keep winning going into the deadline, we are what, uh, eight, eight, nine days away. So it's still a little bit of time. We'll see how the Kraken go and, and how the, the couple teams ahead of them do as well. Maddie, I'm not going to lie. I was a Wenberg hater last season, but he's really won me over this season. I'd be sad to see him go at the deadline or the end of the season unless a miracle happens. I mean, I'm glad to hear it. Like he's a he's a good player, not flashy in a lot of the big ways. I, I love to see all this love for for a guy who plays the the style of game that he plays. Really, really love to see that. Um, let's see. Uh, what does it mean that Calgary traded Tanev in your opinion that Calgary is committed to the teardown? I think that they're, they're, they're I mean, they, they still have some work to do. Hannafin would be another one. Um, but I do think Calgary at the end of the day knows that they kind of need to, to do a reset with the organization. They, they, it, they're just not going to be truly competitive with the core group that they have and that they know that they need to start acquiring assets and bringing in some youth into the organization and start stocking the cupboards with some prospects because they just don't have a ton. And um, that it's something that in this, this league in this day and age in a salary cap world and all of that stuff, it's just the way that you win. It's the way that you build your team. And so I think they just know that they have to, they have to do that. And so I think the TAN of trade fits in with that. I know they're right in that, right? They're tied with the Kraken in the standings here. It looks like they can really push for, for a playoff berth. They're on a great win streak. But at the end of the day, I think they're valuing the long-term look. And really, new GM, new coach, new management structure, all of that stuff this year, why wouldn't they take the long-term approach? I mean, they're not trying to save their jobs year one. They know that they have the runway that they can work with it. And I think that's why we saw the TANF trade. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see a Hannafin trade as well from them in the next, you know, eight days. Um, let's see. You can have all the advanced stats you want, but a 24.1 C is a disaster. It's cost this TL a playoff spot for Ricky. Talking about Wenberg uh, or, or Maddie. I don't know. I, I, I know, I know we've had this conversation several times, Ricky, right? We have. Uh, and I know it. And, and I've, I've agreed with you, right? The production needs to be there, right? That, that is partly why the Kraken are in their spot and versus being in the spot of say the predators or, you know, the Oilers in third place in the division It's because they struggle to score goals. And that is certainly something that Maddie has struggled with. And you look at this game and he takes a shot exactly where we all knew that his shot was going to go. And Tristan Jari had his arm there ready for it. I mean, he didn't even need to move his glove. He just, he just knew exactly where Maddie was going to shoot. And Maddie shot it right into his glove. 
Um, there are absolutely those elements to things, Ricky. I'm with you. But I also think that, look, it's only a second full season. Because he chose to focus on defense first, I'm willing to give him more time offensively to come up with things. In the long run, though, I've always thought Shane Wright's a better offensive guy. I think there's a, there's a future where Shane Wright's really the one C for this team in the terms of being the offensive guy, gets a little bit more ice time, playing more um, on power play time, all that kind of stuff. And he is the point producer and Maddie's the the defensive guy. I think that's fine. Like nothing, nothing says that the cracking can't succeed with that. That is very much a structure that just a ton of teams have won with. Um, so I, I, it's, you know, it's rough right now, but future Maddie will get better offensively as he spends more time in the league and can work on it and focuses on it. And uh, Shane Wright will be coming in. Um, let's see. Uh, who <laughs> will we be racing for Hattie from on Saturday from Rebecca? I don't want to think about that. Don't, 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 don't make me think about that tonight. Uh, good night, Pablo there. See that. Um, let's see. I think Gru is pulled in his last two start was pulled in his last two starts against the Oilers. I just don't want him losing confidence when he's playing this well. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Was he really pulled in his last two starts? I'm trying to remember because it's been a while just because he's been injured last year and this year, right? So he missed big stretches. Um, but I mean, I'll, I'll believe you, Habak. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I still think I'd go with Grubauer right now. Just looks, he just looks good. Just looks good. Uh, Stratic, the problem with Calgary's teardown is that, uh, despite it, they remain tenaciously mediocre and are securing early first round and aren't securing early first round draft picks. Yeah, well, that's a problem they have to deal with, and hopefully, they never figure it out <laughs> given that they're in the division. I'm fine with that. That's that's the way Calgary has been, though, my entire life. Like, that's just who they are, is just they are constantly cursed to always be a playoff bubble team and never, never anything more or less just who they are just who they are uh like while the preds did win tonight it was against the wild and we still have games in hand on them so i think it was probably for the better in the long run i kind of like i would take i would take the wild winning that game just because you you know it's it's tough that the kraken are now seven back of the preds right they're seven back that's a lot that's three and a half games right like it's a huge swing i think it would have been better to have a team around you in close within a point of view if minnesota had won that game um and then have that second wild card spot be uh five points away instead uh, personally that's that's how i would rather have it uh, that's that's what i think um i would i would rather have it be a setup like that for the kraken where they're five points back but there, you know, maybe one point behind the wild because that's a lot more easy to attain. Uh, seven points, three and a half games. That's a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a big gap to make up. Uh, and there's no line there. Right. And we, you're cracking just played 59 game 59. Got 23 games left to make up three and a half. It's certainly doable. It's not like impossible or, or unlikely even, but it's a lot. So I, I just, I want that. Um, let's see. Uh, since you asked for a reminder, Dylan, Saturday's game on 3-2, March 2nd, versus Edmonton is Kraken Day, and the boys are 2-0 all time on their day. Oh, let's go. Okay, so Power of Kraken Day versus the Curse of the Oilers and the Curse of the Matinee games. This is going to be interesting. This is going to, that's going to be some much must-watch uh, hockey, this game on Saturday against the Kraken. Uh, against the Oilers there. That's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, thank you for the reminder there, Lindsay. Oh, that's so good. That's so, so good. So, so good. Um, Love that. I like that we leapfrog the wild on leap day from Edward. That is fun. That is definitely fun. Um, Let's see. Viren and really eight since the tiebreakers aren't favorable. Agreed. Yes. It, from a point standpoint, you need to clear Nashville or you need to clear anybody uh, looking at this. I mean, they are still the closest team that the Kraken could uh, catch with the regulation wins is Minnesota. And they're still two back of Minnesota there. If you start, if you look at Nashville, there's seven back. That's not being made up that that's not you're not getting there. So, yes, you would need to clear them by a full point. So, yes, we're really talking about a four game difference. there, looking ahead for the crack and they're, they're essentially four games out of a wild card spot. So Nashville, by the way, is one seven. Yeah. 
I don't like it. <laughs> Fuck, Nashville's pissing me off because they're stealing a wild card spot just to get smoked in the first round. I know that's exactly what they're doing. That's what they do every year. That's just who they are. Just like just like Calgary is doomed to always miss the playoffs by like three points. Nashville's doomed to always make the playoffs and then just get bounced in the first round. That's just who they are. It's their identity. It's all I've known them know them for and as. <laughs> Oh, but that is where we're at, unfortunately, right now. Um, let's see. Can't believe the Leafs gave a third for a terrible defenseman. Schultz should easily get us a second uh, from light. Yes. So, so the Leafs trading a third um, for um, defenseman earlier today. Uh, Lubushkin, right? And um, yeah, the Kraken, Justin Schultz brings a lot more to the table than than Ilya Lushkin, like he just does so uh yeah it, the trade market for Justin Schultz should the Kraken want to explore it gonna be healthy it's gonna be healthy it just will be so interested to see if something happens there again just knowing that they have Riker Evans who can just slide right in shouldn't even really disrupt things now maybe if the Kraken continue to win let's say the Kraken don't lose another game before the deadline do we think Ron Francis does anything do you not want to upset the apple cart if that happens? I, I could see that being the case. Like, even if he's kind of still loosely planning on doing it right now, but if the team goes, you know, lossless and they, and they win everything up into the deadline, I, it would be tough. It would be really, really tough. Um, let's see. Uh, Lindsay Oilers and matinee hockey curse has got to cancel themselves out. Right. Is this a double negative thing? Uh, it ends up a positive, like is that multiplication, right? You're multiplying two negative numbers. It ends up positive. Um, I would be okay with that. I would be okay with that. Uh, we could, we'll certainly find out. Um, let's see, uh, Kylie, we do have two games in hand on Nashville. At least that's four points if we can win them. Yeah. So that, that is halfway there. You need to make sure you win them, but that does get you halfway there. Uh, those two games do get you uh, in there. Um, Stratic, yeah, if LA and Nashville both finish with 600 points percentages, which is looking more likely each time they win, Kraken playoffs are pretty much impossible. Uh, nice ray of sunshine there. I mean, you're, you're right, Stratic. I'm not, I'm not saying that to you, but yes, it's, I, I'm trying not to think that way. I'm trying to stay positive. It's attainable. Nashville can't, can't win forever. The Kings, they're a mess. There's a chance. <laughs> um, let's see. I'd love if the Flames decided to give up on Dustin Wolf and he and he would get moved to a team from Seattle because that would be neat. Uh, so get to it, Calgary from Lights. Uh, that would be interesting. Um, let's see. We just have to bait the Oilers into playing Pickard <laughs> Fusion Mix. Yes, that is that is how we need to do it. Uh, someone come up with a good way of of making that happen. Uh, let's get on that because Fusion Mix is definitely onto something um let's see also did we fix dumo i'll be real after the first like 10 games he's been great we did i mean dumo fixed himself like we had nothing to do about do with it um as bryce saying he's been great uh most of the year he has i mean we've talked about this uh, a couple times now he he really readjusted to things i think a lot of what his early season struggles were at the very beginning of the year was one adjusting to a new team for the first time I'll give I'll give anybody a handful of games just to do that. Um, adjusting to a new conference, I think that there's an element to that too. Conferences still play pretty different from each other, uh, so there's an element of that. And then I think there's just an element too of also he aged another year. I think he probably slowed down a tiny bit, and and there's just an element of having to adjust to that speed difference when you hit a certain age, especially as a defenseman. You look at all of the issues he was having; a lot of them were just with him struggling to keep up coming back or knowing when he needs to transition from skating backwards to flipping around forwards, right? Turning his hips and being able to go and follow the puck carrier and keep them to the outside, stuff like that. It's entirely possible. He just naturally slowed down like everybody does as they get into their thirties, uh, professional athletes. Right. And, um, he just needed to learn to adjust, right? Just look ahead. Okay. I gotta, when the guy's a little five feet further back is when I got to start making my rotation. Cause I just, I've lost that little bit of a step. And I think there was elements of that. I think a lot of it though, was probably just changing teams, just getting to know guys, getting to know his defensive partners, building that chemistry, building that familiarity, building that com com confidence and comfort 
because there's elements of that too, right? It's new building for the first time, new practice facilities, new city that you're living in with your family and everybody's adjusting to that. And you're still dealing with that side of things too. All that stuff that takes place off ice. Um, I think there was a lot of that there from, from, for Brian Dumoulin. And then yes, once, once it clicked, he's been, he's been great since so so good um let's see i believe in the king's ability to choke lol from zoe i do too i really really do too i i i, I like that um uh people talking about so Viren, if they bench Riker for the rest of the year for veteran whatever so help me uh michael agree play Riker, and then ricky handling of Riker has been terrible uh i defended their handling of Riker on the last deep dive i think it's okay for now it's okay to have him sit learn do the will borgen thing right where he, he kind of rides the bench for a little while just works with jay leach with that extra practice time because he's the scratch um be around the team get used to the nhl stuff all that stuff i think that's fine for now uh, what i said though was if they don't move justin schultz at the deadline you gotta then send him back down either you play him at the nhl level or you send him back down um because you don't want him to ride the bench the entire rest of the season I think for, you know, a, a 10, 15, 20 game stretch, I think that's fine. He's getting to work with NHL coaches. He's around the team. He's practicing with them. He's, you know, watching the games, learning that stuff, being around for their film sessions, all of that stuff. It's all really, really good stuff. But you can't do that forever. He needs to still be playing games. So I think if they move Justin Schultz, we're going to see him go in. If they don't move Justin Schultz, I would love to see him go back to Coachella Valley and help them go for a Calder Cup because I don't know what else you would really do with him, to be perfectly honest. Um, Viren, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt given how they handled Borgen and Tolvanen, but that only goes so far. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm doing too, right? It goes as far as the trade deadline for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's when it runs out that's what i think you got to make a decision there um but uh yeah i'm i'm with you given given how those other situations have worked out we just know this a lot of defensemen this is how their careers go uh is that they kind of get to the nhl inconsistent in and out of games and then they kind of take over that that next season that's a very standard progression for nhl defensemen it's happened to a lot of people i believe it happened with vince dunn in st louis as well i'd have to let me try to look that up real quick but i believe that was kind of how st louis handled him as well back in the day so um it's not something too abnormal but at the same time I, it's not something i want to see continue for too much longer uh, just because I don't think it would be the best for him. Now, Dunn just came in at 21, but then he got a full season. Um, but a lot of guys have done that. Uh, let's see. Uh, every time I remember that Cartier is still a rookie, I'm a little surprised. I know, it feels like he's been around forever because that playoff run last year. But yes, he's still a rookie. Uh, Habak can confirm his last three starts. Gru was pulled in two of them and left injured in one of them. I'm hoping this is a trap game for the Oilers. Wow, that I mean, that is a lot of rough history to be going up against if we do go with Gru against the Oilers. But I'm, I mean, I... I'm not a big superstitions guy, so I would say still go with Grubauer. He's the he's the good goaltender right now. He's dialed in. Let's keep him dialed in. And and you need the two points uh, at this point. You just every game you got to treat it like you need them. You need the win. Um, I think Riker being a power a point per game player at every level, uh, he got sent back to the OHL. Showed he wasn't gaining much there. I think you guys made good points on the deep dive about what he gains here. Vince Dunn couldn't get ice time like that at all. Uh, it's why the Blues fans in hindsight were upset with him leaving. Yeah, I mean that was the thing with Vince Dunn in in St. Louis was that he was just stuck buried down the depth chart. Once he came to the crack and he was able to break that twenty minute barrier, and then certainly these last two years over twenty three minutes uh, on average for Vince Dunn. So you know, kind of able to grow into the player that he had the potential for. That he was just you know <laughs> buried on the depth chart in St. Louis. Certainly something that can happen, and you don't want that to happen to Riker Evans. Now you look far enough out, look go you know, pull up cap friendly, go to the Seattle Kraken. Not too many defensemen on the on the books for the Kraken if you go that far out, right? I mean, Vince Dunn is really the only one. So um, for a while now, I, I think that's that's where we're going. Maddie, who tweeted what scouts were in the building if RJ's sick? Also, do you think Anaheim... Well, why do you think Anaheim had two scouts at the game? Um, RJ got that information, I'm assuming. RJ, you can answer if you're still here. Um, I assume RJ got that information because uh, from from somebody else in the building from, from asking for a favor from somebody um, who had access to the seating chart. Uh, actually the, the seating, the seating charts might be um, 
put uh, in in uh, one of the emails from the PR team or in the Slack, something like that. Um, so that's that's how RJ got got that out. Why do I think Anaheim had two scouts? Anaheim and Tampa both had two scouts. I don't know. I mean, ducks flock together. It's an answer. Uh, no, <laughs> um, I think if they're really interested in something, then, you know, you'd want that. Uh, I do wonder if one of them is their head scout or their head of pro scouting mixed in with a different scout, uh, in which case then they're, you know, just looking at things together. They're having bigger, longer conversations. You just kind of have them around. They could be taking a look at things. Um, it's entirely possible that they were there for, for the penguins, just as much, if not more so than with the Kraken. Um, so I, I think that's, that's something to consider, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know specifically why both of those two teams would have two people. I also know for Pat, Pat Verbeek has been kind of traveling around, even though he made the trade tonight, but I did hear that earlier today was that Pat Verbeek has kind of been going around and looking. So it's entirely possible that um, it was a, it wasn't so much a, a second scout as it was a member of the front office, maybe an assistant general manager. If they're really looking at doing something, then they would want, you know, just that additional pair of eyes on, you know, something like that. I, I think that's, that's something that has certainly happened before. Um, RJ just texted Ron, obviously, of course, of course, we, we, we definitely have that ability. Um, do scouts usually travel in pairs? Yes and no. So scouts will travel with other scouts, but from different organizations. Very rarely would you have two scouts from the same team in the building unless you're really thinking about making a trade for somebody from a specific team and you want the double report, right? You want you want two people to have eyes on one specific guy so that you can really, you know, just kind of double check and make sure you're getting or you're targeting the guy that you want to be targeting. So that's, that is, that would be the reason to have two scouts in the building. If it isn't a member of the front office would be to just have two, just get two reports on somebody, have two people both come to the same conclusion or roughly the same conclusion so that you have that information and that ability to move forward if you are the general manager. So it's, it's, it is unusual for two members of the same organization to be in the building, but scouts do tend to you know travel together and and hang out and they'll they'll book you know travel schedules and stuff with each other because they're all friends and they all know each other usually a lot of them have been former players so they all know each other from back in the day all that kind of stuff um let's see maybe they're moving zegris at some point they're going to move zegris i don't know that they'd move him this year maybe it's an off-season thing but there's a zero chance that zegris finishes his current you know bridge deal with the ducks in my opinion he's he's gone at some point for sure um fuji should have gotten the press pass definitely definitely thousand percent agree striatic oilers uh lindsey oilers and vegas have 72 and 73 points in the standings if they both have losing stretches in the last 20 games then it's going to get really interesting it will it will. That would be. That's a lot of. That's a lot of excitement. Um, what if the Canucks fall out of the playoffs hunt? They've <laughs> been hot garbage lately. I don't know that that's possible. Canucks kind of built enough of a cushion. I think Abak. I. They would have to really go on a tear. I mean, they're at eighty-three points. They're ten points clear of Vegas, who's second in the division. I think they're okay. Um, but it still doesn't bode well for them entering the playoffs if they can't kind of figure out a way to turn this around. Uh, Zoe, was our PK good tonight or was the Pens power play just that bad? PK was good, as it usually is. This was, again, a, a huge game from the, the um, Seattle Kraken penalty kill. They're just so good at getting in passing lanes, all that kind of stuff. I mean, Penguins weren't able to get anything down low. I, again, like they just kept everything to the perimeter and you keep things to the perimeter you're just going to, you know, you don't allow a guy to screen your goaltender. You don't allow a guy to be there for rebounds. You allow your goaltender to see it so he doesn't even give up the rebound. No team's going to score on the power play if you can do that. And the Penguin, uh, the Kraken were able to do that tonight. Um, let's see. Lindsay, and I'm two scouts there because they're sussing out a, a Zegers trade. It's certainly possible. I wouldn't say it's impossible. I, I doubt that they would. I, I really doubt that they would trade him in division, which is. Like, I don't know that they would do that. <laughs> Very few teams would do that. Um, could the Ducks be around for his egress trade? I mean, Jake talked about it. It's like, it, like I said, it's possible. I think it would have to, they wouldn't want to do it in division, but if the Kraken were offering the best package, that could happen. Maybe they're looking with and talking with uh, Pittsburgh, though. Like, again, this could just be 
seeing Pittsburgh as Pittsburgh comes out here to the West Coast is a lot easier on everybody than it is to go all the way to Pittsburgh, right? So it's it's also possible Anaheim was really there for Pittsburgh more than it, they were there for Seattle, uh, especially if Pittsburgh is in the market to buy right now because they're trying to make a push. We don't think the Kraken are really in the market to buy. Anaheim's certainly not in the market to buy. They'd be looking to sell. So it's very possible they were really just there for the Penguins and not for the Kraken at all. Um, and then Maddie, why is Zegris gone? Uh, because him and the the new front office regime and coaching staff have just been butting heads a lot lately. And then with them trading Jamie Drysdale, who's been like his friend uh, within the Ducks organization for really since he was drafted. Um, I it, just all the reports have just been that he just isn't really happy there and they're not totally happy with him and they don't really know where he fits in. And I don't really know where he fits in long term for them either, uh, given that they have Cutter Goche now uh, who can play on the wing. They've got Leo Carlson and Mason McTavish down the middle. Zegris obviously isn't going to be a bottom six center for you. Doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, but a lot of it just comes down to this offseason uh, and the the contract negotiations. They were they were so far apart on anything long term. He wanted to be paid like a top center they did not view him as a such, which personally I agree with. I don't think he has the 200 foot game. I don't even think he's that um, much of a point producer, right? He's obviously an extremely skilled player, but it doesn't always translate to massive production. And so I just think that um, that that difference in money and view of him and his future and given how many other young players they have within the organization that are just really going to fit into a system a lot easier than a Trevor Zegris type guy would. I just think for all those reasons, Zegris is just, he's, his days are numbered in Anaheim. They'll, they'll, they'll get a young piece for him. A prospect probably is what they'll target for their timeline and they'll move on from him because I just don't think they're, they want to commit to him financially in the long term, And that's something that he would want. And, and there will be a team out there that's willing to do that for him. Um, and I'm with light. I don't know that they'd trade him right now at the deadline too. You don't need to, for one, he's under contract for two more years after this. And, and he is injured right now as light. You, you point out. So I don't think, uh, it doesn't make sense <laughs> right now. Leverage wise to, to, to make a move. You, you just don't need to, you can afford to wait. Um, all right. So I think that's going to do it for this one, everybody. Thanks so much for, for joining us uh, or joining me, joining us. Yeah. Afro was here too. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, just huge win for the Kraken. Staying in it, they need the two points. Need two points just basically each and every game. We can get them at this point. But I really love the way we saw them play tonight. I think this is the the prototypical model for how the Kraken need to play the rest of the season. Low scoring, take advantage of your chances, get in there around the other team's crease, make their goaltender uncomfortable, score the dirty goals, get those rebounds, all that kind of stuff offensively. And then defensively, Make sure your goaltender can see the puck, especially if it's going to be Philip Grubauer. It just plays into his system and style so, so well. Got to make sure you do that. Keep teams to the outside, all that good stuff. Kraken are able to play like this. I think they can have that kind of huge win percentage down the stretch that they're going to need to have to get back into a playoff spot. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to RJ getting better. <laughs> Love all that kind of stuff. Can't wait for that. Um, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And, of course, thanks to Flatstick Pub for sponsoring this postgame live. As always, huge shout out to them and all of their amazing locations all around this great state of Washington. And thanks to everybody for the Super Chats. Really appreciate those as well. And we will see you all next time.